Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this is going to be episode 135. This week we're joined by my friend, Kirill Chapisko, who shares the story of his journey to America, getting his start in the industry as a concept designer, and working his way up to, to his dream job at ILM to be working on Star Wars. We dig deep into Kirill's process, how he uses 3D modeling programs to deconstruct the world around him, and his new fascination with virtual reality. This episode is brought to you by LearnSquared, an art education platform founded and powered by industry-leading artists. Learn cutting-edge art techniques and discover firsthand how other artists from around the world learn. Apply the promo code COLLECTIVE during the checkout for a 10% discount off your order. Here we go, everybody. Episode 135 with Kirill. Let's roll. So, um, first and foremost, thanks for coming on to the show. <clears throat> Thank you for having me. You've been uh, a very generous person with your time. I've asked you so many questions and we've traded, traded a lot of fun secrets and tricks and all this kind of stuff. You've introduced me to, well, Mache kind of introduced me to Fusion and then you kind of helped me out a lot with it as well. So it's really awesome. So thank you for that as well, because I love Fusion. So much fun. My pleasure. And it was really cool to um, get you on the show because we, there's a lot of things that we find uh, common interest. And in. some of the questions I want to talk about and kind of start with is more about kind of where you come from and some of the, you know, in pivotal parts in your career that kind of or in your life, basically, that led you down to this path now, because it's kind of a unique thing that you do in this industry. And so, um, like, what did you think? Is this a, like, an ordained plan thing when you were a kid? You thought you wanted to do this? Did you build models? I mean, how did this all come about? Uh, well, to be honest, um, it is sort of like that, but it became very, very specialized towards uh, uh, the recent years. It all started with um, me coming to United States about 10 years ago. And at that point, um, I was not sure what I wanted to do. Um, I always liked to draw and, and paint, but, uh, I had to give it up for a little bit while I was just adjusting, you know, um, in, in the U S and at some point, um, after like two years of serving tables and doing the dirtiest jobs ever, um, <laughs> I, um, I just asked myself, uh, what is my dream job? And um, I went back basically to my childhood and said, well, this is where my inspiration is never ending. You know, this uh, passion for um, experience expressing yourself in any form is uh, genuine and uh, that will never stop so that's a uh, what's it called uh, the engine that never stops the uh, perpetual engine yeah um, perpetual so, motion yeah yeah it will like it will always uh, this inspiration for doing more stuff inspiration for doing more art will always be coming from my childhood Hmm. And that usually never stops. Um, and so I started with uh, drawing and getting a Wacom tablet. And I was trying that for a little bit, like for a year. And then I was getting a little better and better. But then fast forward a couple of years, um, around 2010, I started doing 3D. And I started with ZBrush. And uh, it was a very cool entry for me because... I knew nothing about 3D, and ZBrush is not a fully 3D program in a sense. 
so it was it was very easy transition hmm. um to it, it was easy to pick it up and then as i started exploring more and more um of that 3d world it, i really liked it and that's when um i that was about two years ago when i picked up fusion and uh gave it a try and i never even thought that i would be working in a CAD, in cad software or in that cad format but as it turns out um it's best you know it it fits my needs the best yeah. and i have this saying that i I'm going to copyright this at some point, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> You're doing I, it now on the podcast. Yeah, it's, write it down. Uh, it's what I say, um, engineered look requires engineering tools. And mm. uh, I, I truly believe that. So whenever we're talking about modeling hard surface, um I I believe that the best approach is using the same software that actual engineers are using yeah. for real life manufacturing for production. It's what it's geared for, towards to, and um, even later now that I started working, and this is the very recent development, is I started working for uh, Industrial Light and Magic, um, and I had I was kind of forced to switch uh, the software into Maya. Now that I know a little bit more about Maya and polygonal modeling, which up until this year I didn't know, I, I knew nothing about that. Uh, ZBrush is different, CAD is different, and this is this was brand new for me. All of that um, has certain degrees of freedom. It does uh, amazing stuff for film and uh, for games, but for specifically hard surface and specifically for that. Um, look and for those ideas that I'm going for, I feel like CAD is is the best. And uh, I gotta give it up to Fusion designers and developers. Yeah. Uh, because before Fusion, we had Inventor and we had um, uh, SolidWorks, and all of those were way too complicated. Hmm. They were specifically built for people who have been in the industry for a long time, just like 3d max, you know, you, if you try to pick up 3d max right now, it's just a thousand plugins that you need to learn and all of the, you know, crazy workflows and pipelines. And that's, uh, what's been lacking in this world, uh, of, uh, manufacturing is basically a new program, new software that has been developed specifically for the new generation. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's so yeah. so forward thinking. It's incredible. It, yeah, really impressive. Simple. Yeah, and and I, I kind of like estimate. Uh, I think it takes about two weeks to learn UI and mm. understand uh, CAD thinking process, like how to think in CAD. And once you're there, it, the actual learning begins, and I think it never ends. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's actually a really, really weird thing when we were talking about when I was learning how to do um, learning fusion and CAD process of thinking. Remember how I was telling you how it, now I look at everything and I'm like, oh, I would yeah. screw that there. <laughs> and I'm going to add a exactly. bevel here, or a, um, a chamfer there. Um, and it's an inter interesting thing that it does to your mind mentally. It's almost like you start to see the fabric of the universe around you in the body yeah. space, you know? It's really trippy. Um, it's kind of weird how, 
long I was blind to. It's almost like how I would imagine Michelangelo would look at a rock and see the form within it mm-hmm. and reveal it through the energy of sculpting and, and, and releasing that you know, entity, basically. Do you think when it comes to, um, we're going to go deep into all these nerdy things and stuff. So anybody out there yeah. that loves this stuff, you're going to have a good time with this one. And we'll get into <laughs> other really. things too. And we'll talk about ILM and all that stuff. Cause I'm really curious about, you know, how that all came about. But when you're developing your mind and you're thinking about, you know, you know, developing good practices for hard surface or just 3d modeling in general, what are some of like the strengths that you could have as a beginner and as an advanced user like yourself? Um, I think uh, if I um, come up with analogy, your mind is an instrument uh, just like uh, glasses or goggles or not a set of lenses. And the way you perceive world through them changes with uh, you fiddling with it and adjusting it. And uh, for CAD specifically, for modeling hard surface, you sort of need to... um, take a step back and readjust your lenses and uh, set them to a specific frequency, so to speak. And you will start seeing all that stuff in the real world. Just like you're saying, Uh, you're you start processing shapes and everything in a very weird fashion. Like you start uh, breaking it down and uh, that's kind of uh, best practices for becoming a better hard surface modeler is what I uh, teach usually. I say that breaking it down first in your head, like doing that every day, looking at the industrially designed stuff, you know, the usual monitors, mice, keyboards, you know, Apple Watch, whatever. Uh, You look at it and it's, it's all been engineered. So you know that there is definitely a way. It's like a mathematical problem that you solve in your mind and uh the more you solve them the easier you see the solution so the one of the best practices is doing that on the daily basis and uh once you start at least uh questioning uh everything you see uh then you need to maybe practice some of the simpler shapes and what i usually do in photoshop just bring in a couple of references and truly understand what tools it's it's reverse engineering you're looking at it and you're trying to understand how has this been built um and usually it's very straightforward because once you understand some of the tools in fusion you know how your mind starts to apply them in the real world and once you you have seen a chamfer uh you know (laughs) you will you will recognize them anywhere and they're oh my god they're everywhere yeah they are they're riddled it's, it's like a, the ingredient of everything yeah, it's <laughs> it's that basic uh atom that's you know everything consists of chamfers and fillets and the rest is just shapes yeah it's insane but insane. yeah so i would recommend that and um other than this like additionally if you go deeper i would say just one more thing would be uh really really looking at references like i cannot stress this Hmm. enough what do you look for in references and where do you go to find these references um i usually go um i don't go to any specific websites uh, although i used to um i have developed sort of a, a a pattern in my search uh in google and it's been working for me fine like i will Uh, start with an image or I will start with a basic uh, phrase 
that describes what I'm looking for. And it, it may be really far away from my target, but um, I use, um, you know, similar images in Google and like find more. Oh, Google start, image search and it just kind yeah, of finds you other stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. And cool. then I started reading into it. And usually when Google brings up additional images, it will have additional description in there. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know the name of the part, like let's say it's like a crank on the bike, like crankshaft, you didn't know the name, but once you Google for it, just through the images, you already know the part. So you learned what it's called. You can have a more or a very refined, very specific search now. And the further you go in there, the more you'll learn about what it's called and what it's made of. And then you start organizing your libraries. It's what I do with the references. And yeah, like I said, I never go like anywhere other than just Google image search. That's awesome. I think that's a good way too, because Google is such a massive pool of stuff. So let's say if you were to just go to like the same spot as everybody else and your work would kind of revolve around that same thing. How important is it to have your own taste in what you find in inspiration? Because do you agree that nothing's really completely new? Everything is a, a remix of everything else? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Because and you know the fabric and the ingredients, right? So once you know yeah. the fabric and the ingredients, you go, oh, it's it's all there. It's Some people have style, right? But it's a culmination of many things that makes a style, wouldn't you agree? Definitely, yeah. And, and I would say that a lot of people, uh, when they just starting to so something new, they will usually copy. Yeah. And then once they have satisfied that desire to copy that's when and it might be like year or two or maybe three or five and some people never get out of that stage but once you satisfy that desire to copy other stuff you naturally want to interpret it and uh, alter it and adjust it and make it better yeah uh, that's you know if you have that sort of engineered engineering mind i don't know the good um, engineering mind is always wanting more i think yeah, yeah, it's always deconstructing, re, remixing the ingredients. And uh, it's funny that I, I everything is a remix 100%, but there is still a lot of things that will look so fresh. Yeah. Like I, I see that on the daily basis, just browsing internet, There, there's always something that will really, you know, strike me as, extremely new but at the same time i know it's it's never new sure i would i always say that nature holds a patent of all originality because we're constantly mimicking the reality of nature you know so even our own creation there was a i forget the comedian's name but he had this whole bit about how odd we are as creatures we take all this land and we just plow it all down we put these straight objects in there and we like (laughs) you know like we kind of create order out of the chaos of it but again i think you know like if you were to say you know the first human looking out to the blank ocean and you look at it it's a straight line almost appearing it's obviously we're in a curvature of the earth or a spherical Mm -hmm. but you know that perfect line that's created as an illusion inspires the engineer mind you know things like that i find are to be fascinating because it is it appears to us humans are imperfect creations that that is perfect in fact it it isn't but you know getting inspired from the simplest of things in nature you know so yeah yeah. everything is an illusion you know the there's this saying that goes nature doesn't work in straight shapes 
mm. or in straight lines. Uh, and it's sort of true. Like I, I, I have found some examples of straight lines. It's usually in like rock formations sometimes that are, Oh, it's, like, it's like chemistry and biology. Yeah. Like, like um, those quartz and quartz and, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, you, normally like on large scale, uh, nothing is straight and humans like the, these straight, uh, direct lines is usually, um, uh, a sign of order and logic. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's when you think that's kind of like what you're looking for if we're, you're looking for another civilization, hmm. you know, you'll, you'll be looking out for that. And, and what I wanted, uh, to point out is whenever you're looking for stuff and, you know, whenever actually you're just modeling and creating and designing, I feel like it's very, very important to have logic behind it always, even if it's made up logic, completely fake, as long as you're putting in a pattern, um, uh, into your design, I feel like it becomes a lot more elaborate. Like if you just, you know, put down put down a bunch of details on a design that don't make any sense or they don't look like they make any sense, they look chaotic. But human mind is extremely weird in this respect. Like it really recognizes patterns. It, the the simplest pattern a human will recognize is two dots. Like the mind will immediately connect the line. Yeah. Well, the fastest um, distance between two dots is a straight line. That's where it came right. from. Yeah. Mm. And that's, uh, that's why, you know, every time you're designing something, as long as, as there, there's pattern, you putting some thought into it, it will look a lot better because I honestly, I see some designs online that, um, are going for it, but they become very, uh, decorative. Like it, it looks more uh, as a pattern of decor rather than um, some sort of engi- piece of engineering. And I'm talking about hard surface here. Sure. Um, so it's, uh, you know, if you look at um, cars or, or anything uh, of that industrial design, you will always see that there is engineering in there. And then there's this, these beauty lines and everything, just the aesthetics but it's still always organized. It's always, it always serves a purpose as well. well I think vehicles are, um, well, well-designed vehicles are a perfect testament of form meeting function perfectly. Yeah. And you have that, like, you know, there's, there's like horrible examples where you have supercars that just don't do anything but look good. And then you have, <laughs> you know, like the family sedan, which does everything and looks like crap. Um, and you have that, that middle ground. And I'd say like, for example, like, um, I, I could, I guess, I mean, I, I, I'm totally biased, but I could say like my car, like the NSX for me is like mm-hmm. a, this engineering feat that I just love. I love just, I love the way it was made, how it was made, the design of it and for a production car and how old it is and how still it just spanks on everything, how awesome it is. I just have, a, it makes me so happy. Um, <laughs> and that just that part of it. So cool. And I, I geek out on the design and the lines of it. And it's one of those things that even I've seen it from all the angles so many times. I own it. It's in my garage. It sits right, right feet away from me, but I still will stop when I'm going past it. And I'll just look at it and go like, I wonder how I would make that. I wonder how come they designed that like that. And for me, I, I wonder, I think you're the same way where you look at something and it really inspires you to understand oh, yeah. the architecture behind the thought process in which 
somebody put forth. They took, you know, this mineral from the earth, ground it down and made it a liquid and then reformed it and put it into this machine. <laughs> and like, how bizarre and weird is that? You know? Yeah, that's crazy. It to is explaining crazy. it to somebody like that it wasn't in that depth. Because yeah. that's really what it is, you know. We're taking these, you know, when it comes to manufacturing things, and like you're talking about, like that fine line between the art and the function of it. Yeah, I think it's easy to do one or the other. It's very difficult to meet both in the middle and have them live harmoniously because you're constantly with every decision you make, you are doing checks and balances. You know, do you ever watch like Formula One or like Le Mans uh, yeah, sometimes, stuff? yeah. What are your thoughts on that? When you look at that stuff, does your mind just go crazy with, because you know, they're running simulations and it's crazy math and, and stuff that goes behind that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I get a different kind of pleasure out of it. Like the uh, visual stimulation happens on a completely different level because just knowing, looking at it, is one thing and i mean i can just say it for uh this goes about any sport car i guess um it's sort of it's been through an evolution right every the the competitiveness that happens in in sports and in particular in sports cars is what's driving the evolution of the shape yes uh and if there is no competitiveness you know competitive edge there is no uh, improvement. Yes. Same as in nature. So every, you know, the further we go, the more refined these brush strokes become and these shapes. And when I'm looking at it, my mind is just firing a thousand neurons at the same time, just looking at it because I know that it's not just beautiful. My mind can explain why it is beautiful because there is functionality behind it 100%. It's insane. It is. It really is. And that's a great way of looking at it too. And it's, um, you know, if you think about the engineering feats that, that are behind just modern supercars and Formula One, for example, because we're talking about hard surface and, you know, form meets function race car is a pivotal example of, you mm-hmm. know, a human creation and f- perfect mix between the two. Um, but when you really think about it at its fundamentals, it's, it's, it's really crazy to think about how it all comes together and coalesces and really becomes something of a usable entity. And and not only just the cool thing about that kind of stuff is you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be an engineer to appreciate it. Anybody that looks at that goes, that's crazy. That's, that's designed. Um, it has all the angles like a bird would have, but it also has like the fins of a fish and it has like all these really interesting things. And you're absolutely right. The, the reason why it's so gotten so crazy and so great is because of the competitive nature. Do you feel that there's a competitive nature in making art and being, you know, at that best top level? Do you have that internally in yourself? Do you feel like a competitive push yourself or is it more or less Um, not as much? It's weird because I used to have that feeling for a long time. Um, and uh, I, I feel like it comes in and out um, at times. Like I'm sure at the moment I don't have that feeling because it has shifted and I'll explain where. But sometimes it will come back and then usually it comes back when you're going through Facebook feed and just seeing something incredibly crazy, like, um, nothing but Mac, uh, posted, uh, some insane hard surface from apparently what looks like fusion the other day. 
and uh, you're looking at it and you're like drooling all over it saying, oh my God, I need to get back to my desk right now <laughs> because I'm already like light years behind this dude and I need to be better. And that's when it triggers your competitiveness and and you try to come up, you will naturally imitate half of it, you know, as you're doing it because by imitating, you're learning um, and then once you've learned the process and the pipeline or, you know, the design language and shape language that you saw in that image, um, you start to interpret it in your own way and add your own twists and flavor. And that's when references come in and you have your meta references, like, the, you know, the big scale. And then you have your detail, like extremely like third level detail references. But currently... I have shifted a little bit from that and, you know, if not <laughs> for nothing but Mac yesterday, this competitiveness wouldn't have came back. Mm. Uh, damn it. Like, I wish I never saw that image. <laughs> is, but, it, is it Tyru Benelliance and stuff? Is that what it is you're talking about? Um, it's, uh, I'm going to uh, look it up right now. Um, just so other people can yeah, look it up. People later. that are listening, we're talking about a blog yeah. um, called Nothing But Mech. They also make books too. Uh, yeah, I was actually in one of those and yeah. uh, in it's, number three and uh, hopefully we'll be in four. Cool. Um, so this thing is called, um, it's on both Nothing But Mech Facebook and Nothing But Mech Blogspot. Hmm. Uh, the post is from morphostemic anti-gear yeah that's ty rubin ellinson i've had him on the podcast okay. he's awesome that's he, insane he, yeah he's been around for a while he's worked with on so many films he's a really cool guy yeah really nice yeah guy. once i saw that i was like what am i doing at work right now like i <laughs> home like yesterday i love that though and that's what i'm getting at here is like you know when you look at say you know when it comes to hard surface there's a couple names that are synonymous with it you look at say vitali vitali who's been on the podcast before and is a very prolific yeah. person a good friend of mine awesome person um like you look at his work and for me when i first saw it, i was like wow i i really suck <laughs> and i i don't even know where to start and then um but then starting to learn fusion um i don't have as nearly a drive and a dedication to it as say you and vitaly have i love it i have a different way of approaching it um entirely but i um, I really admire that and that and, and what Vitaly has done for me is just showed me what that could do, the potential of it. I always look at like I was talking about 3D coat um mm -hmm. is today and I was one of my friends was like, Oh, I, I heard that's like a pretty cool program and I and I was like, It's really, really powerful if you know how to use it because I started seeing some of my friends who are really good use it and I saw the benefits of it and um, it's interesting when you think about these tools, people will kind of disregard them or won't really recognize them. Um, but this, we're getting in this era that's quite interesting. Whereas in the beginning you'd go, okay, what paintbrush do you use or what pencil yeah. do you use? <laughs> now it's like, whoa, like how many GPUs do you have? And yeah. like yeah. today I had my electrician out to my house who is running a separate circuit breaker just for my office. Did so you I say can, that you cannot have that many GPUs in your house? Yeah, yeah I, have, <laughs> I have six right now. I have too many. So it's, it's getting out of control. Not, not enough actually. So, but, um, you know, when I'm, what I'm getting back to is when you see somebody else's art and it really gets you 
you know, excited about the art of creating and then, you know, the release and that potential. And for me, like a lot of this stuff, like, you know, if we look at childhood memories, like Star Wars was a big pivotal thing, like creatively mm-hmm. for me as a kid, it was just like this thing that came from the heaven and was made perfectly for me at the time <laughs> in my life. Did you have the same thing? Cause now you're working at ILM. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's awesome. it's, it's weird. This, this whole, uh, journey from, uh, I remember my, my father, um, showed me, I think it started for me with episode six sometime after 1986. Mm. So I was like a little kid when I saw it and I have some really vague memories about it, like about Ewoks in the forest and stuff like that. Um, and that's when it started really. But then I rewatched it much, much later and I fell in love with the universe, not necessarily, uh, so much with the plot or the movies, uh, themselves like uh, direction wise but I really liked uh, that it was very different and uh, and later you know fast forward I get tattoos of Boba Fett on my arm and like uh, <laughs> Imperial logo for the dark side on my chest and I'm like really geeking out about <laughs> That's it super geeking out <laughs> yeah yeah and, well, dedicated it, 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 dedication yeah and at the same time it's that shape language like for that imperial logo that's ah, so good so good it's i had to have it it's yeah. perfect and uh and from there um i started doing some fan art and it's always been driving and inspiring me because you know it, it's never very detailed uh, if you look at the art books. Oh, I love it, though. It's but so it's good. not how you remember it. You remember oh. it completely differently. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's the patina and the texture of it, I think, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's, it's the design, really, that, uh, you know, whatever it is, the magic, magic uh, 80-20 ratio or whatnot, yeah. it's selling you that there is a lot more design in there than there is in reality. Yep. And that's very important. That's like, how do you put just enough detail and then, uh, you know, make it look like there's plenty of stuff going on and there's nothing. It's insane. It's a very uh, plausible future. Ralph McQuarrie is a, a digital or digital, a visual genius. <laughs> I think I really do. I, um, it's so cool. And I think that's what comes from being properly taught and then giving your life to your craft. That's yeah. really what it breaks down to for me, you know, like, yeah, I could watch and, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back all the time, man. So yeah, it's, 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 it's so much fun. <laughs> uh, and, and then, so that, you know, tattoos and then making fun, fan art and using it every day uh, just to get inspiration. Mm. And then I find myself starting work in ILM. Um, how'd, that, how'd that come about? Um, I am, I don't quite understand <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> like I question this every day and I'm like waking up and pinching myself. <laughs> but I think, uh, it took me like a couple of tries to get in because, um, it was something coming up on their end and, um, the contract wasn't happening. Mm. Um, and I, I think, uh, I wasn't originally, uh, Oh, about to be brought in for episode seven, but that didn't happen. And, um, like a year or two later, 
they brought me in for Rogue One, which I'm not going to talk uh, much about. But yeah, you're not allowed uh, to, so it's fine. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you go trouble. see it in the movies if if you're listening to this in December. Um, and I know some people will be, yeah. uh, but I think uh, part of it, like why I got in, was my fascination with uh, engineering and that engineered look. And because it it really you know Star Wars uh, movies are breathing with it. Mm-hmm. It's it's all it's all thought uh, about exactly. And mm-hmm. and and I'm showing some of it in my designs. Mm. And I feel like there's some sort of connection there, which uh, I, I cannot really be sure about it. But I was brought in as a junior artist, and I still am. Yeah, um, and I'm learning Maya there. It's a good place to learn, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'm definitely learning from the best, and you know, walking in um, the building and just looking at the walls, where you know they're just full of. Uh, art and and posters of movies they've worked on history it's, it's yeah. insane yeah it's all history you're like you know you basically work in a museum yeah that's got to be really cool does it excite you and invigorate you every time you come in or does it feel yeah, like work or is it i mean i'm sure you have long days but yeah it, sometimes but it's never um you know it, it has never or it hasn't yet become a chore like I'm I'm waking up and I'm waking up excited and I'm going to work excited every day. Yeah. And like I'm I'm set to leave. Although like yeah, like you will have some long days and you cannot wait to get back home. But you really you know, the time flies. Yeah. For real. Because you're you're not thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good sign. And when time flies, that means you're really enjoying what you're doing and you're doing it right, I think. so. I think I, st- I just started and I actually started in February. Hmm. That's insane. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, I think it's a lot of people are listening to it's a, you know, one of those bucket lists to work at ILM or to do anything with a talented crew and, and not only just to work there, but to work on a, Star Wars, which is what yeah. created ILM, you know, which, you know, George is smart enough to construct and build a, an actual company, which is like so cool, man. It's really awesome. And I think anybody yeah, that knows me, anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge George fan. You know, even people might talk a bunch of crap. It's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's still a beast. Uh, even in his imperfections, I respect him so much for what he's been able to do and produce in his life. I mean, you know, most people couldn't produce a, a smidgen of what he has in his life and their entire life, you know, so he's contributed a ton to my childhood and, and a lot of my friends and people out there too. So, and it's uh, not just the movies, it's the everything jobs, else that has, yeah, <laughs> infrastructure, you know, yeah. technology, engineer, you know, the design of moving pictures and, and special effects and all that kind of stuff. There's just so much to it, you know? And yeah. So, it, it's more than pop culture at this point. Like it has influenced a lot in the, in the real world. Yeah. It's a massive legacy too. So yeah, it's really interesting to see where the property itself is going and where it, you know, has gone to and all that stuff too. I mean, I have my own reservations, but I think a lot of it's just due to nostalgia and how much I really do enjoy mm-hmm. the things from my childhood, but it's cool. It's cool to see other people playing in that sandbox and seeing what they're doing with it and stuff too. So it's interesting, you know. It's do you a, feel? Uh, do you feel like it's been that certain amount of time, which feels like uh, thirty years, is about the span 
where things revolve and, and go back like it happened with alien right yeah. uh with uh ridley scott because mm-hmm. he decided to go back to the franchise after so long mm-hmm. and and he kind of had to revamp it for the current generation and make it look visually different and uh you know the story and everything you're talking about prometheus yeah and, and prometheus too for that matter which i'm excited for um and and the same is happening for Star Wars. I feel like because it's they're bringing it back after so long. Well, the last one was what two thousand one uh, or two thousand six, maybe. Um, I don't remember what, when it was the episode three, but they're basically still relaunching it for the new generation. Yeah, yeah. There's a cycle that happens in the arts, um, and I think there's a lot of. Um, you know, people that are upset, like everything is like remixing too fast, I think. And, um, like Spider-Man, like every year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the thing with Spider-Man though, if you think about it in the, the, the way that they constructed in the comics is they had multiple different runs of it and Mm -hmm. the the amazing, the spectacular, the the marvelous Spider-Man, there's so many different runs because he was such a seller that people could just like, they could throw a new tag on it and then just hire another artist and then just blast out a bunch of copies. And, you know, it was a cash grab basically. I mean, they're still making art and I think for the most part they had good intentions. I mean, most people do really, but I think with, you know, the franchises say star Wars and stuff, I mean, it's definitely, um, a money device too. And it's a return on investment. It's a guaranteed return on investment. And Disney knows that they put their money where, in a good spot, basically. And it's interesting, um, you know, business aside. So it just, it's a really interesting thing for me. I'm, I'm, I don't know how to t- figure it out, you know, how to take it into, and even when you talk about like Prometheus and alien, you know, I'm a huge alien fan. And I just mm-hmm. had like, I just had Peter Chung on the podcast and he, he like loves Prometheus and I just can't get my head around that. So, <laughs> and we just, we go back and forth with arguments and it's quite funny. Um, is that where you were rewatching it? Yeah, I was rewatching it um, just because I was like, "Man, what is he seeing yeah, in this?" I, to it. Yeah, well, um, well, Alien I watched all the time. Um, I consider that to be a very unique film. I mean, it's not perfect. It definitely has its flaws, um, but at the same time, they're forgivable in my mind because of how great it is. And considering the time that it came from, it's very unique and special to me. So, um, but it's, it's interesting though. And it's, it's cool for you. I mean, I'm happy for you cause that's a really big deal for most Thank artists you. to go and work at ILM. I mean, that's like, that's the creme de la creme really, you know, it's a very <laughs> special, it's, you're working at a, like you said, a museum, you're part of a legacy. Um, and it's really cool. Are you, um, are you freelancing through them? Are you a actual contract employee? Like how does that work for you? They brought me in just for the movie, okay. um, just for Rogue One, which I'm really happy. And uh, um, I think that would be the end of the contract, but I'm pretty excited. Um, you know, if, if they, say, extend it for something else, for another movie, that's awesome. But if not, that still opens a lot of doors. That's such a foot in the door for, you know, any VFX company. Yeah. Um, that's you know, I cannot wait to find out what happens next, really. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and then also like, I'm sure if you're continually doing good work and they see the value, it's, you know, it's, you're bound to come back or stay longer too. So and yeah, you're, you're only going to get better too. Back, yeah. So yeah. And it's interesting too, to think about the transition because for those that are listening that aren't really interested or know much about modeling, 
CAD-based modeling is completely different from polygonal one modeling, which is something that I learned as well. And I'll let you just, I'll let you break down the definitions because you're Mm -hmm. obviously much more uh, of a professional at this stuff. But I think it's really cool that when you, before you started, you were basically mostly familiar with ZBrush first as you started, as you mentioned earlier, and then CAD-based. And now you're learning polygonal on location at ILM. Like, how cool is that? And that's cool that you're doing it there. Could you kind of explain the key differences to people that are listening that might not know um, yeah. between CAD and, and um, polygonal modeling? Um, I was actually uh, recording a tutorial the other day. Um, uh, this tutorial is for uh, veteran affairs, helping uh, veterans who awesome. are interested in, in CAD um, because uh, they want to help build prosthetics or help adjust or uh, alter prosthetic legs or limbs, a- anything. And uh, I was I had to kind of come up with a very easy explanation. And I actually half looked it up online and like half from the experience. Uh, there's only really two uh, types of modeling. It's uh, uh, CAD and and polygonal modeling. Just if you you know really break it down, but um polygonal modeling is surface modeling where you use 3D to describe the kind of just the outer shape the outer shell mm-hmm. of everything it's it's everything is empty it represents it's called surface modeling it represents the surfaces uh intersecting surfaces um and uh cad is um solid body based modeling that's uh basically it's a description of a body in 3d space so it's always it's always solid meaning it's not just a surface it's not empty and that's a big difference in manufacturing yeah and and that's why it brings so many differences with it in terms of how you treat edges and how you treat boolean operations like subtracting shapes and adding shapes and uh, when you're looking at something really complex that has been engineered um, that's very natural because uh, in the real world, you know, it's it's not just surfaces, right? Everything has volume, and and that's exactly why CAD is more natural to an engineer than to just a three D modeler. Because with three D modeling, the the key is to get it out as fast as you can and just make it look believable. Yeah. So it's a little different, but I think. Uh, now that I know both, or at least I know about uh, surface modeling more, uh, uh, both are very viable. And, you know, it's not like one is replacing another. Yeah, they're they're definitely existing together, and they will be. So it's not a question of what to choose, really. It's a question of um, what do you need, and or what do you understand more. Mm. And uh, a lot of people just happen. Uh, well, at least. The, my students, they just happen to understand Fusion very, very easily and, and understand CAD because they made it so easy. They did. They did a, a really amazing job of making that program. It couldn't, like, couldn't have been easier, honestly. Once you understand the, the, the way of thinking behind it, then it's just like, oh, okay, now it's just making you're basically in the manifestation you're of like your subtracting and adding shapes all yeah. day yeah and, it's, and then you put a chamfer on it it's done 
<laughs> it is so much fun. I mean, I don't want this to be a big marketing ad for Fusion, but it really is so much fun. I mean, it's just, you can't help. But for me, at least, it, I remember texting you like, I can't stop. I'm just, I'm super right, addicted. Right. Um, this is so much fun. And, and then also everything that I was looking at was like, wow, this is all, it is all, you know, a part of the whole it's the ingredients of the universe basically and to, to be fair it's not it. only fusion like i'm just like i whenever i say that i usually say that about all cad because the principles are all the same sure so, yeah because there's there's quite a few things and that's interesting yeah. to also note because there's a lot of people i'm sure that reach out to you and they're like well what's better and why should i do that and i mean that's one thing i found too is like people would see and that and i would just mention that i used fusion because people would ask you know yeah just like there's what, more what, what brush did you use users, you know? yeah yeah um, Moi is, um, I have tried it out. I like Fusion more personally, just the way it works. But Moi it's is. It's just the UI is more yeah. attractive, but it's as powerful, you know. it's. I found it uh, to be more well, finicky, but you. that was just me, though. I felt. It's I, just an instrument. Yeah, exactly. It's just an instrument. But I mean, like I said, these are very technical instruments. This is like, it's not like a difference between a pencil, which has really got only a couple different, you know, variables. It maybe has yeah. seven variables of shading and based on the graphite and clay mixture mm-hmm. that is in the lead. Um, but it's this in the program is quite unique. Um, for those that are like interested in getting into this kind of stuff, do you have advice for say beginners that are interested in getting into modeling and you know, why would you get into modeling for me personally, um, just to answer my thing, just so, and then you, when you can go into talking about like your thoughts on giving advice, but when I personally wanted to make, get into modeling, the reason why I wanted to learn CAD based is because I, I was curious first and foremost, and I think I loved the, the designs and styles I saw, but I also love the idea of being able to design something and manufacture it instantly. That's just so cool. And the nerdy moment's going to happen when I find something in my car that I want to make better. I go yeah. into my computer, I redesign it, and then I have it made. That's going to be a special day because I'm going to take my idea and make it reality. And then I'm going to enjoy the product of that reality. And that's just couldn't be cooler than that, really. So, yeah. That's for like, um, and I totally understand that because I have that same drive. It's for creative people. But, uh, like, let's say I had to advertise modeling to people who are not, don't come from the creative field. You know, uh, it's just modeling really, really helps you understand uh, shapes and it, it, it's, um, it exercises your mind. So, getting into modeling to create stuff or to improve, like, your car parts, that's one thing. But another thing is just to exercise it and, uh, no, that's Get everything. Better understand. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's everything, dude. <laughs> For some people, yeah, they <laughs> breathe it. Uh, but you know, like it's like playing games uh, exercises your mind. What exercises your mind? And this is just another step, uh, you know, to the side and just just giving it a try. I think a lot of people will, would be surprised how easy it is. Uh, compared to what they thought it was and uh, how captivating and, you know, all that stuff. And actually, if we're talking about exercising, um, I I recently got a VR headset, the HTC Vive, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a chance to – it comes with a couple of uh, applications, and one of them is Tilt Brush, which allows you to basically paint in virtual reality. Oh. It's not necessarily modeling, mm-hmm. Um 
because Oculus has the modeling application uh-huh. that when you actually model. But this one is just such a different approach to thinking. It's insane. Uh, I'm it really like what I'm telling uh, people or what I'm saying modeling will do to people, to normal people, right? Like it will open their mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. This step into VR has really erased all the boundaries of how I think or, you know, my, my thinking process in 3D because uh, looking at a flat screen is one thing and just rotating it with your mouse. But then you modeling something in front of yourself and like walking around it and in some instances like with some software you're able to actually touch it as well Mm -hmm. like with oculus medium that's just a a whole different level and i'm 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 finding that i'm you know i'm i cannot wait to get back in there to spend more and more time because now that i have experienced that a little bit it's like you know the there there were certain steps like first um I was painting or drawing in 2D and I wished that I knew 3D so it could help me paint better. Uh, And then I learned 3D and it didn't really help me paint better because I stuck with 3D. (laughs) I never went back to 2D. Yeah, (laughs) that's a a very common trait. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I completely forgot about it. (laughs) And then this VR stuff, Mm. holy crap. Like, I'm afraid I will, if, if it gets any better from here, I'm afraid I'll have to, you know, be very careful using that because <laughs> virtual reality is, you know, scary stuff. Man. It's scary. It's so different. It's so good. Like you have to try it. And anybody who can get their hands on, on one, like feel, you know, headset, mm. it's completely insane experience. Can it, you, it's, it's, is it like you're physically moving and making it happen instead of using a mouse and kind of a, a, a UI? Yeah, you, yeah, you're using two controllers and uh, you're painting with them, but like you feel those brush strokes and you <laughs> it, it's 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 impossible to understand if you're watching somebody doing it on a screen sure. like that's completely useless yes yeah. it's like you know if i had to compare it it's if you were listening to a person who's describing you the movie he's watching like that's just pointless you need to ditch the person and watch the movie directly hmm. uh, and that's the same thing like watching somebody be in VR is not the same as you being in there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's is this where the future you think it is the, Oh my God, it's the future. hundred <laughs> percent. It's Blade Runner. It's matrix. It's everything. What is and, it about it? Is it the construct being able to take the fabric of existence and kind of it's, pull it apart and recreate uh, you know, it? what scares me is <laughs> in a good way is how fast and seamless is the transition. Mm, that's uh, good. Especially if you, um, uh, like I took the time to read an article how to up-res your resolution inside VR. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you tweak the, because it natively it comes kind of pixelated and that yeah. breaks the illusion. It does, yeah. But, you know, when you have a good card, like Titan X is perfectly good card. Mm-hmm. Uh, or three like, of them. Yeah, or that or like the recently, like the 1080 is fine. Mm-hmm. You just up it a little bit um, and that erases the barrier. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember when I just got it, I was just playing around with it and like playing some games and Tilt Brush. 
And I started around 8 p.m. and sunset uh, in San Francisco this time is like 8.30. And I've spent about two or three hours. I started when it was really like still day, right? Daylight. Mm -hmm. And inside VR, uh, <laughs> everything is uh, bright and colorful and vivid. <laughs> and I'm like completely in that world. I yeah. totally forgot I'm in my room. And then I, two hours later, I take off the headset and it's dark. Yeah. And I couldn't understand why, like I, I couldn't process it. What's scary, like I said, is it's your mind really adjust, adjusts very fast. It's full immersion. Yeah. I, I was, you know, I doubted, um, will it be really that seamless? Mm. Um, and it actually is, is very scary how seamless it is. That's awesome. Even though it's just like, you know, you're just looking into some screen on your face. You know, it's nothing crazy. We're not talking about plugging in wires into your forehead or anything. Yeah. Which will happen at some point, I'm sure. Do you think so? Do you believe yeah. in like the, what do you think on technology, where it's going and stuff? What are your thoughts? What's going to happen to humanity in say five to you know, a hundred years, 500 years, a thousand years, what do you think is going to happen? Um, well, one thing I'll like, I'll, I'll start with, I once had the pleasure of having a conversation with Ben Morrow about it <laughs> and who is the absolutely the best person to talk to. If we're talking about future, uh -huh. he has some crazy visions and ideas. And, um, he said that he believes that with the recent development of prosthetics and everything, um, it will be a fashion trend at some point to ditch your real limbs and replace them with more advanced or more cool looking limbs or, you know, any other organs. And it's, it's not as far as, you know, sci-fi writers make it to be. Yeah, it's pretty close, I think, I think because close. of plastic surgery and stuff and how people are addicted to that stuff. You and, know? and how easily they get under the scalpel, right? Yeah. The, there's no I wouldn't do thought. it, but yeah. Yeah. I love no. my body, so no, I'm, no, I'm no. stoked it, with it. I take, you know, I take the, good care of this baby, so. <laughs> definitely. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not what I want because even that people haven't perfected at all. Sure. Like, even plastic surgeons, like, or, you know, yeah. not 100% not of people who come in are candidates for an operation. Yeah. Mm. But with that <laughs> augmenting your body, because it becomes more and more of a possibility and how crazy it can become, yeah. I think it's going to be a, look, it, it's a time bomb. It will happen. And, you know, if we talk about VR in, in the same light, uh, this, this is just, this is not even the first step. This is like baby steps towards it. But it's going to explode at some point and everybody's going to have VR. Like, yeah. you know, I remember just like I iPhones, remember, you know, homeless people have iPhones say, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I remember looking at an iPhone and like, what the hell? This is not a phone. This is some bullshit. <laughs> oh, really? I loved it. And yeah, I knew it, it was genius. And I saw it. Like, I was like, this touch is screen. I don't need touch screen. I have, uh, I like buttons <laughs> and, and how like it took over. Well, I was like, it was more than 10 years. There ago. were so many people though. You were amongst the tribe of people that wanted the button yeah. still. So. Yeah. yeah, I still want the buttons. I was like, screw buttons. <laughs> Actually, but no, I had a Palm Trio. I think that was the phone thing I had because I was dude, into it. Uh, now I'm saying screw the touchscreen. Now VR has changed it so much. Yeah. You know, you still need people to design 
that world though inside and of that's the where you come in i guess because uh mm-hmm. designing the ui for vr is completely mm-hmm. different than designing it for the oh, flat screen so different yeah because you have a completely different depth perception and, and the because way you, you can touch everything and it's tangible yeah it's really interesting stuff that's a if there's anybody listening to if you're wanting to inter- get into into like a massive market that's about to just implode and you want to make crazy yeah. money get into a designing ui for uh vr because yeah it's 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 a it's a bomb ready to blow up but aside from limbs and augmentations like that i mean for sure that's on its rise and um especially with the consideration of people being able to manufacture really beautiful works of art basically for people to replace their limbs um what are your thoughts do you believe in like you know because like i I mean i get pretty into this i i you know because when you think about the engineering of things once you understand the constructs of how our universe is kind of put together Mm -hmm. you for me, at least I go, okay, where's, where's, where's day zero? What, what happens there? You know, like, do we leave our bodies? Do we eventually go into like the, you know, the hive mind, like, uh, you know, existence that's up in the cloud of data to become energy? Yeah, that's an open question. Sure. Uh, recent developments, uh, like just recent, recent news is that, uh, scientists were able to store data in some bacteria Hmm. Uh, and that's already crazy. So like, it's, it's definitely doable. Um, so I, I, I want to believe that, yeah, we will leave our bodies because, uh, the, the trick with our bodies is that they become shit in a certain time. Yeah. It's very, Uh, it's a very finite time. If you think about how much time is wasted in just maturity, it takes, you know, at least 20, 30 years for somebody to actually, a logical person to be somewhat mature and then you know your body starts to take a shit around 60 and then yeah. it's downhill from there and you just got to you know fight that the genetics well, you know and stuff. how like sci-fi writers has have always been fascinated with uh, how it's not your soul it's like your your mind is um is not really aging that much if if it wasn't bound to uh the physical limitations like the uh, neurons and whatnot uh, synapses in your brain, right? If they were not aging, then your mind is not really aging. Yeah. It's yeah. all hardware. It's all the hardware problem. Yeah. It is a hardware problem. So I guess, you know, altering, I mean, the quick fix, the band aid in between things is going to be, um, you know, transitioning and trying to upgrade the hardware so that longevity yeah. is occurring. So, but it's also very, uh, tricky because we are flawed beings and we create everything we create is somewhat flawed. Um, even in its perfection, it's flawed. So considering all that stuff, that's where a really interesting narrative takes place and you get into the sci-fi realm of, you know, the plausible future and stuff. But when you talk about VR, there's a book, if you haven't read it, it's a lot of fun. It's called Ready Player One. You read it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I, I I still have to read it. You should check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. And there's a lot of things that you would kind of, it's, you'd, you would relate to, especially the, you know, the complete immersion and stuff mm-hmm. and, and how fun that is and interesting that is too. And yeah, it's very scary for people that don't necessarily have self-discipline. Ooh, it's going to be very scary. Yeah. And, you know, parents it, and just people be, socially, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, the altered It's going to be really you know? scary, like, in the next 100 years. Yeah. It's going to be I'd really say in the next 20, weird. 10 to 20 years, it's gonna, there's going to be a, uh, a social shift in, in just in general. I mean, if you look at, like, um, do you 
do you go about in the public space much? Do you go and see people like outside of work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, do a head count and look how many people, even when they're eating dinner with another person, they're sitting on their phone. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, it's going to get weird real fast in like next 50 super years. Super weird, dude. Do you ever see that one picture of the guy with the VR eating Soylent? Yeah. He's, just like, yeah. <laughs> he's outside. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's happening. It is. Yeah. It's Wally. It's exactly, that's the irony of Wally too. I always quote that because there's some really funny, factual moments from that and and part of me thinks that um it's just all a big distraction you know from you know from what's going on around you yeah you you know if you want to go and experience an adventure then go create one yourself and go travel or go do something and that's that's more real than anything you could possibly have because it's physically happening in the world in the space in which your body has adjusted and adapted and you know over the many many courses of years you know developed you so that you can see and feel and experience those things but um, not to take any credit away from the, you know, the heightened aspect of VR. I think it's interesting. It's been around for a very long time. If you think yeah. about it, um, the technology has been around for a long time, actually. Um, it's just now recently becoming somewhat of a, a household commodity almost, you know, like it's starting with us nerds, of course. Um, yeah. and then it's going to go into once the person like the, you know, the Steve jobs of VR comes in, um, and really makes it applicable and usable for the mass market and can make, make the technology fully immersive, then we're going to have some serious social problems. On it's our very hands. close. It's yeah. very close. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you. And, and when we ditch the hardware, hmm. that's when um, it's going to get really, really weird. Yeah. Because you're not going to have that need to exercise anymore. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's when it's over. Ah, oh, man, I I love a good. I love the feeling after you work out, though. It's just, it's kind of hard to fe- to beat that. I I guess. I mean, I you know, it'll be imitated later. I guess so. You know, like I think for me, it's I I'm I'm slowly finding how old I am, especially when I see yeah. my daughter and just what she's into. I'm like, wow, I'm really getting old because that, stop resisting. Yeah, I don't know if I'm necessarily resisting. I just I guess I am. I think there's a part of me that's like, no, this is better, but. Um, it's, which is really weird because I consider myself to be somewhat of a futurist. I love the future and I love what it brings and the possibilities. It's just, for me, it's just, I guess it's just kind of scary, you know, to think about yeah. it. You know, the change is so massive. It's just, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, but then on the other side, think about how you will be, well, not you or not me or not even our kids, I believe. But at some point, human uh, beings will be able to travel to a different star with just a, you know, press of a button or like that's that's insane they will just send your conscious uh light years away and you'll arrive there fresh and you know rested yeah and into a different body that's what i that's kind of where my mind's going that's what i think is going to eventually happen is um the moment we where we can recreate a memory because what defines us is memories you know yeah and once you can share memories Let's say in the, it's like what the internet now is a basic, like very rough construct of what I think what's going to eventually come to be, which is the hive mind, a shared, Mm -hmm. a shared universe of experiences through memories. And once you can go and transition yourself from like that memory to the next, you wouldn't be bound by, say, like your race or gender or anything. You would just be able to experience the internet or the, the construct of, of human memory. Um, in a network basically. And that's really when things get funky because what matters at that point, and I guess 
um, that's the beauty of it. You know, like money is, doesn't mean anything and your sex doesn't mean anything. And what, you know, what's family values when like the family exists of the universe, you know, (laughs) everything around you, you know, but the question is, are you you still human at that point? I don't think you really are at that point. You know, I don't think so. I think we become an, uh, an evolved being of, you know, complete energy. Like that interstellar stuff. Yeah. That's what I think. It's hard to understand. It is. And I think that's really the beauty of it though. The idea that we would advance so far beyond ourselves. And, you know, if we think about like the earth as being the, the egg in which we crack to, you know, Mm -hmm. to birth ourselves into the next existence, I think it's quite interesting. It's unfortunate for the earth, you know, so uh, due to our, due to our stupidity and our demise, we just are so good at destroying the things because it's a habit, you know, but yeah, it's really interesting though. I, I, this kind of stuff really fascinates me and I know it does you as well because it's just, it's, you know, especially now that you're getting, um, you're getting to addicted to VR porn and all that stuff. So yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's the future I'm telling you. Oh right God, now. that's going to be, I mean, for, part of me is like, okay, that's good. Put the porn on there so you can like, you know, take away a lot of people's sad sadness, you know? And, yeah. and, and, but at the same time, like, oh no, <laughs> it has to be like treatment and stuff like, you know, yeah. it's healing. Well, you know, people would do like opiates and stuff. Um, so they would get in this full immersive state of like, you know, conscious, uh, evolu- like evolved consciousness where they would take these drugs to kind of take themselves to a, another level. The crazy thing with the VR though is like it's super immersive and it can take you to different places as well if you allow it. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's man, it's, I think people aren't aware of just how crazy it is going to be. Um, but again, I think it's, again, it's really up to the designers of the space to create mm-hmm. and construct. I mean, there's, you know, before let's use Star Wars again, again, as an example, before Star Wars happened, there was thousands of different sci-fi movies and stories and shows and radio station t- channel things that were going on. But Star Wars was the one to bring it to that level and show people what it was, you know, and, yeah. and it still holds the test of time as we see now, it's still there and existing. And I'm not, I'm just using that as one example. There's many, um, but it's just, it's interesting to see what is the star Wars in the VR realm. You know, it's not even, it hasn't even hit yet, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So yeah, there's this music video that these French guys did of VR and these, this kid like get buys a VR gear. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's hilarious, mm. but he buys a VR gear and he instantly gets crazy with like the porn. And he's like, he's like <laughs> fucking a sh- like a, an aircraft carrier. Like he's just, like, and then he becomes like a plane and he's like fucking other planes and he's like That's riding a boat. It is. it is. It's like he's driving a boat with like R. Kelly on it and just like, it's just like <laughs> and the whole thing, the whole time. It's just, it's just absurdity. But you know, that's, that's interesting because it opens up the possibilities for something you have never actually tried or not, not like you tried it, but like designers, like game designers, it's like portal, you know, was really different from other games and any game in VR is as different. It brings different possibilities. Yeah. So the, the further it is into VR, you know, the further we go in there, the more, it, it's it's a completely new world like you know yep it's a new frontier exactly and it's going to be really great i think once they can i mean every vr gear that i've tried um i i got kind of sick from it pretty quickly mm-hmm. and so and i think it's also the the pixels being so close to my face yeah i was really i was really aware of it um sometimes i wouldn't get nauseous but then i would get these weird like 
um, kind of like drunk feelings from it where I'd have to mm -hmm. take a moment to kind of collect myself after it. My equilibrium kind of totally took a dive. Um, but once I could get used to it, it was okay. But my mind and my body would just have it throw a fit. It's basically. interesting. So, I had zero. That's cool. I mean, good for you. I, I mean, I'm, I might be one of those. There's certain people that just can't really utilize it or use it properly. I think or are existing it properly. Do you, when you're using it, is it kind of like when you're on a drug where you're aware of, you know, your existence, it's, but it, it's it, the best I can compare is lucid dreaming, dreaming, mm -hmm. like you're dreaming, but you are aware that you're dreaming and you can control it and you can like stop at any time. Oh. It, for me, the immersion is really full and, uh, I can, I get to experience stuff that I cannot experience in real life. Like for example, and I'm not talking about porn, uh, <laughs> like for, for example, sure. uh, the teleporting, uh, like in some games, they, they, you cannot move around because not all games are made for room scale VR. So you cannot actually walk. Yeah. So you're standing, but you can point to a spot on the floor push the trigger and it will teleport you there. But because my mind is so uh, completely immersed in there, I get to experience that teleportation. It's what, what is it like to be in one uh, spot and then even without blinking, you find yourself hundred meters away. Hmm. That is a weird feeling because you almost feel yourself move. Yeah. Huh. Maybe it's just me. Like maybe it's just my brain processing it sure. in a weird way, but I'm just glad that I get that weird, you know, That's I'm cool. not, I'm not too weirded out by VR and you know, it's, it's very interesting how many more opportunities I can get to experience something I, I could never experience in real life. Yeah. That's interesting. And it, and it wouldn't be real life though. That's the thing. That's, it's like an yeah. altered fa like fabrication of the real thing. But you know, we, I think we really like the fake reality though too. Yeah. So yeah, because you don't really see anything, uh, you know, that's not, not, nothing you see is real really. Yeah. Right. Like it's just your perception mm -hmm. through your experience, through your, history and subjective opinions subjective of, opinions yeah. yeah and even like the colors and whatnot and shapes and your uh individual like depth of field or like field of view all of that is so different that it's it's nothing is really real everything is just like in my mind right yeah it's all and that's what's interesting too about being a human here is that you kind of are the creator of your own world if you think yeah. about it because you're born into this world and it exists and then you could perish and then, then, you know, the world, you only would think that the world would continue, but the world that you know doesn't because you're not non-existent after that point, you know, so it's just quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. mortality and stuff so interesting. And what's the one thing that VR is missing that you think would be, would really tip it over to the next level? What do you um, think it is? Like a I Netflix or something, like some kind of... If, if you're talking about like really, really next level... Yeah, what's the next I level? Think, I think uh, like 20, 30, 50 years from now, the next level would be uh, ditching the the headgear. Yeah. And just, well, it's maybe even closer than that. So when you're just really projecting it onto your retina uh, so that you're not wearing anything, but, hmm. you know, ideally... And then maybe even uh, not 
standing for it and not using any contraptions. You just, it's like dreaming, right? Like take VR into the dreaming realm. Yeah. You just lay down, close your eyes, get the feed into your brain and you start doing VR. And that would be the really next step. But something, you know, and anything you can do right now for that is just get closer and closer to that. So, you know, make it lighter, make it more believable, break that barrier um, and, you know, stuff like that. It's kind of like an episode of Black Mirror. You ever watch that show? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The yeah. entire history of you. But to see how he, I mean, it's like, ah, it's so good because it's very possible that you can just get so dark with it, you know? Oh, it, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It will yeah. get weird. Super it will weird. be 100% porn everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be dark. It will be weird. It will be, it's, it's uh, opening all of your like dark little corners of your brain Mm -hmm. because you know a lot of people are twisted out there yeah and uh it's uh it's it's scary it is future future is scary as fuck but you know i think if people can get their kicks off their violent kicks off like you know there's a thing i you know with all these like the shooter first person shooter i grew up playing them i played doom like doom is one of those pivotal games for me i know it is for you too yeah Yeah, it's like that's that is i mean wolfenstein was before that but if we talk about first person shooters that really made a change was was doom but i think the thing that i loved about doom was not it was the mood and tone and the scariness that it gave me this elevated like holy shit like there's an imp right there or you know and, and the ability to scale around and try to you know evade your your enemies which is just so brilliant and just the the the, the immersion was great and that's on like a really shitty old computer you know like i yeah. remember getting like arthritis as a kid because i was playing so much you know like i remember asking my dad's wife at the time like my arm wouldn't work well and i was like whoa what's going on with my arm and she was a nurse and she's like oh you've been playing that fucking video game too much like whoa like <laughs> and i you know i can only think of as you know as kids like they don't know better and they're just going to get super addicted and heavy duty you know so it's going to be but I, I like what i'm saying is i think it's it's kind of good that there's a event for people to get those things out and i'm hoping that you know like contrary to what people were saying about like the columbine shooting and all that stuff where violence <laughs> leads to violence i definitely think that there's that's a very valid point but at the same time i think some people just need to get their shit off like their their rocks off you know and if they mm-hmm. can do it in this space i don't know i'm hoping that that would help you know i think that for the most part we're still a lot of people are just Therapy, yeah. they're, they're they're like lizard brain you know they're on the single-celled organisms are still like unevolved and they like to be like chaotic and shitty towards one another mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i just can't stand those people but that's there's a lot of those out there so and it's all you know it's all people's you know their own agendas which is quite similar to one another just opposite timelines basically but um it's 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 really interesting and i think it's good for people to have this as a therapy device you know and getting a vr yeah, and i stuff, wanted so. to connect uh a vr and and doom because um you were Im- totally immersed as a kid yes playing doom you didn't see anything but the screen and you were totally in the screen you know uh when you when the level is over you sort of wake up because you you know you're definitely not uh you're you're so in there you don't feel the um, uh any stimuli from the outer you know the real world and and vr is the same is just using other tricks so at some point it's it's usually what it means is it's all in the art of making the game it's all in how you present the reality so you don't really really need that fancy 
uh, hardware or fancy tricks to trick your brain into believing you're there. Yep. But it definitely helps. And that just means that it can take you just so much further. Yeah. It's very true. And it can take you there further faster too. Yeah. Um, did you play the recent Alien Isolation? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It, it freaks me out. I couldn't be, I couldn't go through it because I was just freaking out too much. <laughs> I felt very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like somebody was like looking into my soul. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> and as much as I love it, I mean, I bought it and I, yes. and, and I adore it and I, and I love I love the brilliancy of the simplicity of it and the design of it. I just, I just love the risk that they took with that. It's, it's so great. Um, but man, damn, if I couldn't get through that properly, I remember playing it with, I was with my friends at their house and I was playing it on his laptop. Even then I was like, fuck, like freaking out. Like there she is. Oh no, it's, it's going to get me. You know, like it's one of those yeah. games I would pay not to play. Yeah. But it's so good. I mean, part of me wants to go through it and I have, people and friends that I've know that have beaten. And I'm like, how did you do that? Like, that's yeah. so crazy. The reason why I like to watch the movie is because I'd rather watch Sigourney go through it than me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know? So, and you know, that yeah. game is like very, uh, close and personal. Yeah. Like it feels like it's right, like right next to you. It's, it's for you in that element. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it'd be really cool in a VR to go and experience oh, it. Oh my that, God. But, you got to have like extra pants if you're playing that game. <laughs> yeah. Have an adult diaper and yeah. just be ready 100% for it. Just, yeah. <laughs> wow. What's a dream project for you? What would like, if you, I mean, you're, it sounds like you're probably already doing that, but what for you, what is one of those dream projects? I think for a lot of people, for a lot of artists, the dream projects are their own. Mm, Um, uh, There's some uh, exceptions when you just want to work on some franchise and like, yes, Star Wars is definitely a dream project for me. Uh, And there are definitely more uh, franchises like that. Like I would love to work on Prometheus or Alien or anything with Ridley Scott that involves sci-fi. Yeah. Mostly because I want to learn from it. Uh, and uh, not only just be part of it, but I, I believe it makes you better every time you go through something like that. I want Ridley Scott to slap on some GoPros and make a VR experience of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that'll do. The, the Ridley Scott experience, and then he just sells it just online. Just his everyday life. <laughs> That'd right? be not fucking epic. <laughs> um, but I would say probably some some franchises there. Um, not your own projects more or less like helping and working with other like masters and stuff yeah that and if uh it's it's partly what i already started doing like i find more satisfaction in in life or in in what i do uh by making real world uh change like helping in the real world like taking it out of the 3d screen space and applying it doing prosthetics or even if it's weapon manufa- weapons manufacturing that's still real world yeah and it's it's an unbelievable feeling uh and some people will vouch for it like when when you have something that you have designed 3d printed uh it comes to the real world it's as if you you know uh, kind of like brought it out of a parallel universe into our universe mm-hmm uh, and that experience, if if we had more games somehow connected with that, you know, like it's something that you do in, in 3D and then it becomes real, that would be really cool. That's like a whole step up in the game as well. 
Yeah. Well, it's the world of 3D printing. You're taking the physical realm and you're just making it malleable, basically, you know, mm-hmm. and the person that does that properly is going to just make a shit ton of cash, crazy amounts. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah so that would be like a dream project, something like out there, really different. And I actually I would love to work on some something in VR because it's just I guess it's where it's going. That's yeah. the future. It is. I mean, it is what you make it to. I think that's what I'm saying too. Is like we're, you know, it needs its George Lucas. It needs its Spielberg. Yeah. Um, you know, the film media medium had, you know, had and has. I always think it's funny. You know, um, my daughter, if she decides to have kids, her kids are going to look back at me and go like, it's so weird. Like my grandpa (laughs) used to go in this room in public in the dark with a bunch of strangers and watch this flat screen. Like how lame is that? You know? Yeah. And he thought that was cool. It's the same thing as we're talking about, like playing Doom with a keyboard and a little shitty LCD or whatever LED screen. And then, you know, now if you say you would play it and say complete immersion, and through a VR experience with headphones and you're just like, you know, getting like shell shocked to death basically. So exactly. You get PTSD yeah. from that hundred percent. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know if I want to do that. I've, you know, the thing though I love about VR that I can see it being a massive potential is teaching and learning. Yeah. Huge. I and I know you're a that. teacher and I know you like to teach Yeah, and conveying ideas. I can see that being just so significant. I found just by, you know, teaching myself, learning how to teach has improved my ability to direct and work with people like huge amounts. Cause, and then that's just using the technology too, like making notes and making videos and editing and, and creating all these different ways of, of transferring ideas. I can only see what like the VR experience can create even more immersion. It's that's- bringing people together too. Like if you're physically not able to be present for something that's, uh, you need to be there like crucially, there, you know, like uh, teaching uh, neurosurgeons or whatnot, they get to experience that in a completely different way. Yep. Or even like not even neurosurgeons, but even mechanics or, or sculptors or, you know, that's all who, surface level. You think about students in school and stuff. Yeah. Mean. Yeah. It's just very different. And if, if all of them are sitting in VR, but they're in different uh, parts of the world, but they're in the same room. Yeah, that's very different. And the internet is sort of like that, but that's not it's it. It's a very first pace. It's a very first start. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just going to get even more and more significant as we go through it. And I love the idea of that, and I love the 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 ability to have people, you know, explain and exchange ideas and help one another, and like be in, you know, even though you you might be out in say China or something, we can communicate and converse instantly, um, in the same time and in what feels like a phys- same physical space and you can help me solve something that's so complicated to me, but then like it reveals something like I remember when you were teaching me how to look at things and you did that diagram using Photoshop and cutting. cutting. I mean, that for me again, as I've talked to you about many times, that's a huge device for teaching that like, it's, it's one of those, you know, you could have taught me all kinds of stuff. That's the thing that really stuck, you know, it's more or less the thinking process of it over and over like i'm reusing it yeah and it doesn't it's one of those things that doesn't feel redundant anytime i do it again and again i feel like it's just such a good instrument that it needs to become a standard like whenever you're explaining something just do that and you know maybe like say hey kirill came up with that i maybe didn't i don't know Uh, maybe i i saw it somewhere (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it's you're, I like how you're humble and you're willing to, <laughs> to admit that you don't know, and that's cool because you know some people just claim it for their own and not aware that, of course, nothing is indefinitely original, especially now. Yeah. And that's we're definitely in this phase of re, you know rebirth, basically, as everything is being remixed and and uh, you know people are like, what? The as long as it's hell? helpful, you know, yeah. you know, don't give me credit, but like, <clears throat> I want to see that change the world or change the education in 3d and that's my drive you know what drives me um doing 3d like you 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 asked me before right uh i want to see the real change Hmm. i want to see how i can influence the world and not just in games and movies i want to see it in the real world like nsx parts and stuff yeah yeah (laughs) well sure i know you give me so much shit because i'm so into cars and you're not really put down like you just brought me down to earth 100 (laughs) i was like talking about people getting new arms and legs and then you're talking about you getting like a new nsx part but that's fine if if, if if that can happen life is good dude you know if that can happen for you because of 3d modeling that's awesome i know you wasn't able to do that even like five years ago no exactly and it's so cool to be able to do that and to be able to have manufacturing at you know your tip of your fingers um mm-hmm. so cool man like and influence that and like have full control over it yeah and have you become less of a consumer i believe yeah of course you do i mean you're um you're an educated consumer. I mean, and definitely you are a consumer because you're consuming mm-hmm. no matter what you're consuming your own product, yeah. but, but you become like your own God basically, you know, at a very small scale, it's just so cool. And I think it's very um, liberating. I think is the best word I could use to, de- to, to define what it is that I feel. Yeah, We're all striving for freedom. So that's yes. Freedom from our past selves and from others as well too, which is great. Um, we'll wrap up here soon. I want to talk a little bit about music. I know you're really into music. Um, yeah. you're into metal and, and heavier music and stuff. Um, do how, do you listen to music while you're creating and, and what do you listen to? And like, do you like to go live shows and what got you into the music that you listen to? Uh, I definitely don't go to live shows. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know why I've been to a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which maybe, ones? um, it's just some random ones like Spice you know, Girls. Yeah, Spice Girls. They're pretty good live, years, dude. Like Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce! Uh, I haven't seen her live. And uh, it's it's not what I like. <laughs> I feel like it's very public, and and I like music to be uh, like up close and personal, hmm. and just me and and music, and that's it. Huh. And when I work, I do listen to music, and I found that it changes a lot the, the way the way you work influences what you're listening to and vice versa. Uh, a lot of times I will find myself listening to some, like one track on repeat for eight hours because huh. it helps me, uh, tune out the, the world. Yeah. And you're just for, you know, it's weird. Uh, Stephen King has this book, uh, I think it's called talisman or some, something like that when uh, the little boy and, and the guy were using some sort of uh, elixir to like they drank that substance and it took them to another realm hmm. but then in, a, in, in time they stopped needing that substance because they could just remember the taste and that that was enough hmm. and the same for music music is like that instrument 
that helps me only gets me started a little bit uh, i will start that track and i'll put it on and uh, in 20 minutes i'm so tuned out that i don't hear it at all hmm. it helps me concentrate and and do art and then whenever i'm start starting and like you're zoning zoning out but whenever you start to come back to senses and like you need to take a break you certainly can hear that track again and you know it, it helps you really but other times i will well, listen to like full albums and uh, you know if we're talking about what's what I've been listening to recently um, I listen to a lot of Spotify and uh, I I really fell in love with the recent Red Hot Chili Peppers album The Getaway um, and I've been having it on repeat everywhere like at work uh, in my phone in my car I just listen to it on repeat huh really really spoke to me on like a lot of levels even though i listen to stuff that's a lot more hardcore uh like i listen to disturbed and and uh, kill switch engage and stuff like that and and i will have no problem whatsoever you know falling asleep to sleep not uh it's just because i'm so used to it it's it's just weird it's soothing and and but at the same time uh you know i, I will listen to um uh just lounge and relaxing music easily yeah and you have to switch it up once in a while yeah of course it's important too i think and in, in to be able to have that ability to switch things up as you go through the day yeah i mean i go from audiobooks to director commentary to movies to mm-hmm. super hardcore music to classical um to like trance electronic weird high kind of stuff getting in my head like yeah it all kind of mixes up um for me whatever helps you right like whatever helps you work or concentrate yes and it changes up a lot it it doesn't necessarily mean that if you listen to this track for eight hours yesterday you will be able to do this tomorrow yeah no i i I can only usually it's like a meditative state it's actually Mm -hmm. if you look into like hypnosis it's it's actually quite close to that what you're doing is you're kind of creating a like a sound rhythm that happens and yeah. it's like you're yeah. getting your mind in that tr- like that transcendental like meditative state I, I think that's what's happening exactly yeah, yeah and so you're kind of like fooling your mind into doing that like continuous process basically i think david lynch is really into that stuff if you get into that it's pretty interesting mm-hmm. so and it's so interesting what music is too and how different it is for everybody too and like just goes to show how differently we're all designed to and our interests and, and you listen to different music through different stages of your, of your life as well yes of course like you evolve with it and it's very weird yeah, you kind of have to, I think, because if you don't, if you, then you're not evolving, and then what are you mm-hmm. doing, you know? So then you're just kind of lost in that. Who are some of your personal idols? Uh, that's a trick question, because I don't really believe in idols. Yeah, I, I believe in um, uh, respect for people who have dedication and skill uh, in the industry, mm. uh, but... I cannot because idolizing is a little different, or maybe I just the way I understand it is uh, is different. I don't really idolize people, but I uh, I definitely have influ- people who influence me a lot. Yeah, 
Uh, Ayrton Senna said the same thing. He doesn't have an idol. He just respects people like that are badass, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes you, that pushes you to, uh, that, sh- you know, it shows you that you can do that as well. That just makes you a better person every time. Yeah. Um, and do you, you think know, there's a flaw by having an idol because it's a person? And that- um, you know, it sounds like having an idol, is not too far from obsession. Yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, and uh, idolizing something, saying that it's ideal. I mean, nothing is really ideal. Every ha- everything has a flaw. So, or everyone. Um, so that sounds like uh, you. I think you know what. I think it just came to me that idols or people have idols usually when they don't really understand the subject mm-hmm. and, or maybe they don't want to, or like they're not, they don't fully understand it. And there's a part of mystery and magic to it. And that's when they start to idolize it because they cannot explain it. Uh, when you're, when you doing this analytical thinking, I don't think you're idolizing as much as you're deconstructing and reverse engineering everything nonstop. And that stops being your idol. That becomes just something you want to uh, mimic or or improve. It's 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 a different mindset, I believe. Yeah, definitely. I think it's great. And when I saw that quote, actually from Ayrton Senna, which is like a very very powerful minded guy, is a um, an ex race car driver. He passed away, mm-hmm. unfortunately, doing what he did. What he loved. He was really a legend, basically. Um, uh, he had the same quote and I thought it was really cool and very applicable. And I think it's just like the same quote, like don't meet your heroes because then you're going to yeah. find out that they all suck and they're all humans too. And they're all flawed. Yeah. Even the best ones have their bad days. And, you know, I think, but like being more inspired by their actions and what they're about in their prime is really the key there. I think that's really a good way to look at it at least. Yeah, so. I totally agree. Awesome. Do you have any mentors that you like reach out to or communicate with, or you kind of like find yourself kind of going through life and finding your own path at this stage? Um, actually I also cannot say I have any true mentors or even people that that I follow specifically. Mm -hmm. I tend to be more abstract and, uh, I, I like to just somehow it disconnects uh, in my mind, the person from, from the piece of art that they create. So I would usually follow art Mm. more than the person. Uh, and a lot of time I will not even know who created it. If it's something random from the internet and actually, you know, when I'm saying, yeah, when I'm, when I'm saying art, I don't even necessarily mean like art in the common sense, like concept art and whatnot, like our station. Um, I, uh, I will be, deeply moved and inspired by stuff that is loosely related to art like me too arch- architectural design industrial design it's art cars Dude. it's all art it is <laughs> it's it's all of it is art really yeah and you i have no idea who created that you know, beautiful uh uh like generative sculpture or whatnot uh and, and i don't really care because yeah. I'm pr- uh, consuming art in its pure form. Yes, I agree. That's the freaking most brilliant, beautiful thing about art is that you could be anybody of any gender, of any race, from any mm-hmm. upbringing, of any time in your life, 
and you can make this one thing that millions, billions of people and throughout time could have some sort of connection or just one person could have that one connection. And that for me is, is it's, it's like powerful, like what we would call the word love, for example, which like yes. trans, transcends so much, you know, which is, it transcends the borders. Yes. And which is, I think that's the, for me personally, it's one of those main things that draws me to art and the art of creation. You'll never be a master of it first and foremost, yeah. which makes it almighty. And nobody is, you know, like it's, 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 a, it's a destination. It's a, it's a journey, not a destination. Basically it's a life <laughs> purpose basically that you would go through. And it's just something about that. I just love very appealing thing. So yeah, I love it. And last question. What is, uh, what's the future like for you? What are you thinking? Like what you got any, you know, do you do manifestations where you think about, you know, I want to be doing this at this time and I want to have this or that, or, or do you kind of just Forrest Gump your way around and just work at <laughs> ILM and just kind of dick around and stuff? So what's going on? Uh, <laughs> life is a box of chocolate. <laughs> uh, no, um, I actually, I do have some projections that I like to think about, you know, I'm like thinking where I'm going to be in two years or where, where am I going to be next month? Where am I going to be in year and then 10 years? And uh, I set those goals um, because I think it's planning and it's logical. Um, and I try to hit them, but I'm not upset if I don't hit them. Mm. Uh, I set those goals merely because they help me uh, get something even you know more. It's not necessarily hitting that goal. It, like you said, it's not the destination; it's the journey. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't have those goals, I think, uh, it's, it's gonna, you know, it would be really hard to, uh, improve as an artist. And, uh, for me, I think, well, first of all, I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen after ILM, mm -hmm. uh, because that's definitely opening the doors and that's like the key to a lot of things, uh, especially movies that I, I love movies so much that I definitely want to try and do more movies. Um, additional to games, I, uh, I think I will still stay in games. Um, and uh, maybe in five years, I would love to see myself on a slightly higher position where uh, as a creator or as an artist, I don't want to necessarily have um, on uh, hands-on stuff. But, you know, like, I'm not going to say art director, Mm -hmm. But just a position where I I apply my uh, knowledge and my skill and my taste in art in a slightly different way. So yes, I guess art awesome. direction in a way that yeah. would that would be something to strive for. And I I'm not gonna say that you know I'll kill it and I'll be there in five years. If it happens in five, fine. If it happens in ten or fifteen or twenty, fine. But once I reach that goal um i and be known or you know just being able to make money not by being uh uh just a 3d artist but something uh more than that i think that's that's a good goal awesome i think that's really cool and i think it's keeping it within range, but it also, you have a destination, which I yeah, think it's not that, it's not crazy. No, you it's know, definitely wants to be something like that. I think it's great to have personally, like, I think it's good to have goals that are obtainable and, and then there's ones that are kind of out of reach, but and that just depends on how much, you know, pressure you want to put in yourself. Well, hey, once strength, I so. hit that, 
I'm going to have a different goal. Of course. That's, you know, that never stops. That's, no that's, that's being a human being. Basically it's like, um, what's it man's grasp exceeds his, his reach or something like that. I think it's the, the line, but, um, yeah, man, that's awesome. And let's look at where you're at so, thus far, you know, you, you haven't, you didn't weren't born in this country, came all the way over here. You are now in this country and you're working for, you know, like yeah, I said, the creme de la creme. That's, the that's special. Are, are fading away now. Like, I don't feel like I belong to any country anymore. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. It's, it's big. I, I, I belong. Mostly you know, you want that Trump. Trump. You want that Trump state. So. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a, let's not get into first. that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I don't have to even be in the U S or anywhere. It's, it's all connected. It's all online. Yeah. That's yeah. the beauty of it. Well, it's nice to live here, though. Got a lot of cool things oh, yeah, going yeah. on here. So sure, I'm that not helps. Saying, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah, definitely. There's some fun things. But yeah, we, I totally agree. The internet, especially for guys like us, where we kind of live and breathe and work off the internet in a work certain Work from home. Yes, exactly. Do what you love. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Dude, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That was a really deep conversation. That's good. It's good stuff, man. I really appreciate it. And, and give a big thanks to everybody that listened in and, and um, we'll have notes and all that good stuff as usual. So is there any last last things you want to give a shout out or any advice you want to give to up and coming artists? Um, well, as a piece of advice, I would say uh, don't get easily discouraged. And that's like a very generic advice I know, but, yeah, true uh, do what you love and love what you do. And, uh, if you're doing something really try to become a professional in it. So you're not just wasting your time. Yeah. So be really, really interested in what you do. And if we're talking about hard surface in particular, really study everything and and be genuinely interested in all things hard surface don't be just interested in mechs and and, and weapons you know not not just things that destroy be interested <laughs> in everything be interested in things that heal be interested in things that create yeah and and be, being open-minded like that will actually you know make you a better artist 100 percent. yeah there you go guys there you go awesome <laughs> Thanks again, man. And um, looking forward to see what you create in the future. And um, yeah, keep in touch. And that concludes this week's episode. Big thank yous to Kirill for coming on the show and sharing his thoughts and opinions with us this week. You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectedpodcast.com slash 135, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. You know the drill. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out, everybody.